0: Hello! Hey, hey, everybody. Guess what we're talking
1: about today. <laughs> You'll never guess.
0: That was the that was the song Mr. Sandman from the band Oranger. Or Oranger. Oranger. From the video game Stubbs the Zombie.
1: Stubbs the... I've never had the pleasure.
0: It's a really fucking good game. You, you play as a zombie. And uh, it's all set in this weird retro-futuristic 1950s. And uh, it's just it's an incredible game um, <laughs> we you I, I played it on Xbox years ago like probably 15 years ago maybe 20 um, and it's so fucking good I think it's available on the Xbox Live Store now just to download
1: So do you have to eat brains as yeah. a zombie?
0: Uh, there's just a ton like you have to you have to do eat brains to keep your health up and there's like, there's more things you can do as the game goes. Like, you can pull out an organ and throw it, and it'll explode in noxious gas like a grenade. And everyone you bite will then turn into a zombie and, like, join you. Um, you can throw your hand. Like, you can tear your hand off and throw it, and it'll attach to somebody's skull. And you can, you can control them like a puppet. So, like, there's, like, a bunch of soldiers, and you can, you can uh, latch onto their head, and then you can use their guns.
1: That sounds like blast. Yeah.
0: Uh, one of the levels, you have to poison the town's water supply by pissing in it. And it's literally like you're standing at the top just with this yellow stream going into the water, and you have to watch the like, like the, you know, it's like, oh, 10% piss, 50% piss, 100%, yeah, you did it, 100% piss, and the water all turns yellow.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I missed this one. Yeah, it's a great game.
0: Uh, anyway, yeah, that was uh, Mr. Sandman from that, since we're going to be talking about Sandman today on Vertigo Voices. We're back. Um, I, uh, I was actually originally going to do Enter Sandman, oh. but then I was like, well, it's Metallica, so you'd have to use a cover <laughs> because <laughs> no. regardless that there's no money to be made here, <laughs> they'd still find a way to sue. They would. <laughs> um, so, so then I went with Mr. Sandman and I forgot because I, I own that, that album, like that video game soundtrack. I actually own it. Because it's a really fucking good soundtrack. It's all these classic like 1950s and 60s songs redone by modern bands. That was okay. one of them. Um, oh, God, what, what's the name? of uh, The fucking... Flaming Lips has a, has a cover of If I Only Had a Brain on it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I need to listen to this. Yeah. I love the Flaming Lips.
0: It's great. Yeah, and it's a fucking amazing video game uh, that I wish more people knew.
1: And now you know. Yeah. So go forth and find it.
0: I don't really have any news for today. After Fandome, uh, Vertigo-related news just kind of dropped off. There's nothing.
1: I looked too and came up empty.
0: I mean, we're still still waiting for our fucking Sandman confirmation about the uh, the new uh, series, the, you know, the show. Who knows when that'll be released. Um, and Sweet Tooth is... Or not Sweet Tooth. Yeah, well, Sweet Tooth is... Imp- production for season two and then um uh why the last man is just dead as a wet fart (laughs) that's how that show went out (laughs) r.i.p yeah Yeah. the last couple episodes were fucking bad i wanted to do like a retrospective you know when we first talked about the first half of the season i i talked about wanting to go back and discuss the series as a whole but i don't (laughs) because there's nothing to fucking talk about
1: I am glad that you don't, because I honestly didn't watch the whole thing. I was just like, there's other stuff I would rather watch.
0: Yeah, it just pissed away a lot of good stories. Did you get to the part where there's a a car crash? When uh, 355 crashes their their, uh, RV?
1: I might have. Honestly, I had it on, and I was... Checking my phone about halfway
0: through, so that that, that might,
1: have, might, might have happened. You'd know. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, okay, I the <laughs> entire
0: narrative grinds to a halt for, like, five episodes because 355 uh, falls asleep at the wheel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, yeah, this fucking government agent who's tasked with the most important mission in the known history of humanity just drowses, drowses, out. like, you know, fall, falls asleep, just gets heavy-eyed and takes a little <laughs> cat nap and... <laughs> gets everyone almost killed. Like are you fucking kidding me?
1: You're terrible at your job. <laughs>
0: she's supposed to be the most competent person in that bunch. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's her whole thing in the comic that she's always the one that's in control. Whatever. I don't know. I was not a fan. Really wanted to like it. Really wanted to, but just couldn't.
1: Alas. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what people don't understand sometimes is that like, you know, we don't tear on this stuff because we Go in with the intent to tear on it. It's just we have high hopes, and they don't get met.
0: Whatever. I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like anyone's feeling too bad about taking a shit on why the last man. They really because, shouldn't. No, because it's not. It's not like it's some misunderstood masterpiece, or it's not being treated that way. At least,
1: like you said, went out like a wet fart. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, pour one out for why, or don't keep, keep your alcohol to yourself. Yeah. Save your booze. Yeah, it's gonna um, be a long winter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do have a Colby has issues. Ooh. Uh, I got the first issue of Human Target, the new series. Oh, look at that! And read it. It's really fun. Uh, it takes Christopher Chance, that you know the character that we know and love, uh, and puts him into the larger DCU. Like it starts with him impersonating Lex Luthor, because Lex is the, uh, involved in an assassination attempt, and. uh... It's got like a fun. I don't know. He Lex gets uh, Lex almost gets assassinated twice in the same attempt. <laughs> One guy shoots him, and then as as you know he gets bulletproof vest. He's like, oh, I survived that. And then as he's like stumbling off, he passes out and finds out that he's also been poisoned. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and then as he's trying to figure out why, he discovers that the assassin's bullet was meant for Lex, but the poison was meant for Christopher Chance.
1: Dun dun dun.
0: So then he's trying to figure out. Why? And he only has a few days to live.
1: Sounds exciting. Yeah,
0: it's fun. And, you know, it's it's uh, it's uh, not necessarily in canon with the old Human Target stuff, but it also doesn't, like, it doesn't uh, ignore it,
1: mm-hmm. you know, like
0: it could be. Who knows? It also seems to be set sometime in the 1960s or the 1990s. <laughs> it's got a very, like, undetermined timeline. It's got that very, like, like... Uh, Swingin' 60s style, mm-hmm. but the characters are all kind of the early 90s versions of them, because, like, it's the Justice League International, and... Oh,
1: yeah. That Ooh. sounds like a good time, though. Yeah, yeah it's That's a lot it. of fun. Well done. That's a good issue to have, if you have to have issues. Yeah, exactly.
0: I also, like, this isn't really... Ti- well, it is kind of tied in, so you can see Blue Beetle's hand right there. Yeah. Uh, I also, this isn't an issue, but this is something that I got that I've been looking... Forward to for fucking ever because it's really really hard to find and when I explain to you what it is it's, that's going to sound really stupid but uh, well, no, you have to. <laughs> there's this filmmaker named Brett Kelly who just makes really shitty movies I mean I'm sorry if you're listening you're not but uh, <laughs> your, your movies suck <laughs> but I, I, I am fascinated by this guy because he makes like superhero movies air quotes uh, out of public domain characters so he made one a few years ago that I tracked down called Avenging Force. And it's all about, like, these old public domain characters from the 1930s. It's like a big team-up, like, Avenger style movie with the Scarab, uh, the Black Terror. That's a 1930s uh, superhero that I have a lot of love for. Uh, uh, the Woman in Red. Uh, the bad guy's called the Sphinx. And there's another hero in it named Daredevil, that predates the blind Daredevil, um, but, like, legally, in comics, they don't call him that anymore. I think he goes by a few different names. In this, they call him Double Dare. Oh, okay. Which was also, a, like, a Roy Thomas comic in the 80s. He revived the character and called him Double Dare also. So, anyway, uh, he made this movie. I got it a few years ago and watched it with Bear, and it was funny and low budget, but there's, like, a, I don't know, kind of an aw quality to it, you know? I was like, we're going to put on a show! Like, <laughs> <laughs> um... So I enjoyed it, even though it's not very good. Well, he made one, excuse me, he's made a couple other uh, comic book movies, but there's one in particular I'm wanting to track down, because it's based on Blue Beetle. Oh, yeah. Which, Blue Beetle is not in the public domain. That name and fucking mantle is owned by DC, because it was originally owned by Charlton or whatever. But there's a Blue Beetle that predates all that, from like the 1930s. The character's name's Dan Garrett. And the current Blue Beetle is named Ted Kord. But Dan Garrett is in the DC Universe. He's just not the current Blue Beetle. So, anyway, since Dan Garrett is in the public domain, but Blue Beetle isn't, he made a movie based on that character and called it Agent Beetle. Oh, boy. Look at that. (laughs) So I found a copy of it. Uh, If you try to find this on, like, Amazon, or even I went onto his website. Tomcat Films, <laughs> and uh, it's not available there. Really? Like I, I've I've searched high and low for this for years. I found somebody selling it on eBay for I think it was I think it was fifty bucks, which is like probably a hundred dollars cheaper than I've ever seen it before. Because I'd seen it on like other third party sites for just crazy amounts, and uh, I talked the guy down to forty. <laughs> <laughs> got it. And it it was listed as like new, 2012. Uh, Agent Beetle, and then in all caps, bad movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just so you know what you're getting into. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Let
1: me see that thing.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, Agent Beetle. So it's, yeah, it's Dan Garrett in a vaguely Blue Beetle ish costume. I mean, it's like one of those like weird Lycra bodysuits with, with Spider Man goggles on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of is. Kind of is. The glasses kind of remind me of Wesley Dodd. But that's as far as it goes. Huh. With his reporter ex-girlfriend, they're always reporters. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> of course, because these characters were all created in the 1930s. Of course. When yes. you uh, couldn't throw a rock without hitting a reporter. Right? <laughs> a fedora and little press <laughs> tag in them. like
1: shark fins everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Well, but congratulations yeah. on your Agent
0: Beetle. So this is this is I I well, maybe not the only, but this is certainly the most recent. DC comic adaptation that is not made by Warner Brothers or DC.
1: <laughs> for sure, for sure.
0: The only other one I can think of offhand is the old Captain Marvel uh, film serials from the 1930s. Since that was well before Captain Marvel was owned by DC.
1: I was going to ask, like, uh, does that even on DVD? Yeah, I
0: have it. It's right over oh, there. Of course you do. <laughs> of course. What am I saying? And that was before there was any Shazam copyright bullshit. <laughs> so it's literally called The Adventures of Captain Marvel. They don't have to say, Shazam, fucking (laughs) magic word wizard bullshit. Just, Captain Marvel, there you go, fuckers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy, bitches. All right. Well, yeah, you've got some pretty exciting new issues there. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, one of these is markedly better than the other. (laughs) But in a roundabout way, they both feature Blue Beetle.
1: True, true. And either way, they're not dull.
0: Which makes, so, okay, so, Human Target was Vertigo. Blue Beetle is in this new human target, so the Agent Beetle's an adaptation of the Blue Beetle mantle, so this is basically a Vertigo movie, so we're going to watch it next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> into the abyss. <laughs> yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, don't really have anything else to talk about. All right, well, uh, then I guess we'll just jump right into the, the meat of the episode. And if it's a short one, then I don't care. Forward hell. So today we're uh, going to be ranking all of the volumes of Sandman. Of Mr. Sandman, Bring Me a Dream.
1: Go back and listen to the theme song. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I had to swallow my
0: coffee. <laughs> so just to start, I mean, this is just the, the series proper. Okay. No Overture, no Endless Nights, no Dream Hunters, either version. No Death, no Sandman Presents, or Sandman Universe. Because <laughs> originally I was like, I'll throw Endless Nights in there. I'm like, well, if I do those, I should probably do Dream Hunters. Well, if I do Dream Hunters, I should probably do Overture. And then it just it gets out of hand, and I'm not going to do like the four-issue Lucifer series. But then if I do that, then what about the ongoing Lucifer oh, series? God, yeah. And then if I do that, what about Dead Boy Detectives? Blah, blah blah What about House of Mystery? What about House of Secrets?
1: That's a whole other podcast to itself. What about
0: fucking uh, Love Street? Well, if you do Love Street, then you should do Hellblazer. Well, if you do Hellblazer, then you should do Swamp Thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll be here all damn day. <laughs> Just
0: a complete, concise ranking of every Vertigo in DC Comics.
1: I think I might actually have to tap out on that one. I'd be like, you're on your own. You needed to call Bayer in here.
0: Coming in at <laughs> 8,014, we've got Rachel Pollock's
1: Tomahawk. Tomahawk. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> is yeah. a comic that I've read.
1: I haven't read Tomahawk yet. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh,
0: it's when I first... So Tomahawk's an old... Wow, why are we talking about this? Tomahawk <laughs> is an old DC character that's one of those like... Uh, like fucking Nettie Bumpo, white savior kind of characters. Like, Ooh, wow. oh, I'm the, the blonde guy that's living with the natives because I appreciate their culture. So I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm to be more native than the natives. <laughs> um, so anyway, she took that character and made a Vertigo uh, one shot in the '90s, and I I was expecting like kind of that, but it was it was significantly more nuanced than that. <laughs> so she, I mean, she did. Do something worthwhile with it.
1: Well done, Rachel. Okay. How do you want to kick this off?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that, because it's going to be weird, because we're just going to go back... And, I mean, unless we have the exact same list, it's going to be weird. So, uh... After you. I've got an idea. Let's let's talk about each volume. And... No, fuck it. We'll just... <laughs> we'll just go our list. So, okay. So, number ten... I have World's End.
1: Okay. Well, huh? good choice. I did not number mine, just... <laughs> so then
0: how are you going to be doing this?
1: <laughs> well, I just picked, like, ten
0: that I really like. <laughs> There's only ten volumes.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I didn't put them in any specific order, is what I mean.
0: That's the whole point of the show, <laughs> is to put them in a top or what, ten to one, or whatever.
1: Okay,
0: well, I'll just I'll just do it in the order that I have them
1: in then. By <laughs> release order. Yes, by release order. No, excuse me. You go first.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, so World's End. I should also preface this by saying that even though like so I picked World's End for number 10, so I I think that is the worst Sandman volume. Do tell? Um well, no, because <laughs> I, I'm trying to explain the the premise here. Um but that said, probably the worst Sandman volume is better than 99 percent of any other comic out there. I
1: agreed.
0: <laughs> so yes. even though I'm saying that this is, in my mind, the worst Sandman volume, I still think it's a really fucking good comic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like trying to pick the cream of the cream of the crop. So um, anyway, yeah, number 10 brief, uh, sorry, uh, World's end. Because, I don't know, it's just, uh, a lot of, a lot of stories. It's just every issue is a different story that doesn't connect to anything. And it's just a bunch of characters sitting in uh, a bar telling stories about, like, alternate Earths and shit. And, like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not that engaging to me to see these one-shot stories that have no bearing on the larger whole.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, but now that you mention it, um... The framing narrative is kind of... Like, it could be almost any any comic. The only thing that really tethers it to Sandman, I feel like, is, you know, you see a few characters pop up, and it's...
0: You know, yeah, I mean, Clericon and Hob are there, and they're, they're good. And Golden Boy is a really good issue. That's the one about uh, Prez. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. issue that I have autographed by the artist. <gasps>
1: right.
0: But, uh, oh yeah, and it's also got the Petrifax issue, which... or Yeah, Petrifax, which is a good one, too. But I know, like, uh, Tale of Two Cities, the first issue in that one, I really didn't like. Mm -hmm. It's that weird, like, empty city, and I don't know, it just didn't didn't blow me away. I remember reading it the first time and being kind of bored with it. And it's also been a while since I've read this one, so I should probably give it another go. But regardless, it's Sandman, (laughs) so it's still really good. It's just (laughs) not my favorite.
1: True, true. And you know, there's we'll 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 get into this because there's another. I kind of feel like Seasons of Mist is a little bit like like this in the sense that there's um oh, it's, it's kind of like a, a how to how to compare it. There's going to be some Eng, English literature major out there who might be listening to this who's like you're fucking wrong. But anyway, it's kind of framed in the same way of like I don't know maybe Canterbury Tales. Although, Seasons of mist does have a more coherent storyline. Seasons of Mists is framed as Canterbury Tales? Well, just in the same, um, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know, I haven't had enough coffee.
0: Yeah, I don't know, because Seasons of Mists is one very fluid story. It's all about selling hell.
1: It is, it is, but in, in terms of Dream goes on a lot of different side quests that really don't have to do with what the main, um, the main plot line, the main driving force for him to be in hell. Does that make sense?
0: I guess. But it's still focused on dream. It so, is. like, no there's still a focus to it. Whereas, to me, uh, World's End is so unfocused.
1: And that's, like, that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Is that, at least with um, Seasons of Mist, you have that focus. Whereas this seems like it kind of goes all over the place and your attention wanders. And, like you said, it's not bad. Um, and I'd gladly read it again. That's
0: funny. You mentioned Canterbury Tales a minute ago on Wikipedia. It says, the stories within the collection are each narrated by a different person during a storytelling session at the end. As the introduction notes, this is similar to Chaucer's Canterbury Tales.
1: (laughs) Bingo! Yeah, it's like you said, any... uh, But there's
0: no Chanticleer. (laughs) The farting rooster (laughs) in Canterbury Tales, which is one of the greatest literary characters ever that's too
1: bad really
0: Chanticleer. isn't that that's the character Chanticleer, name? right yeah Chanticleer.
1: i think so that's how you God,
0: pronounce it isn't you. it uh, character in the nun the nun's priest's tale isn't it isn't he a farting rooster i thought so tell, okay just <laughs> tell me if it farts
1: <laughs> a methane producing fowl
0: i don't care about the story i just wanted to read about the character <laughs> Because mm-hmm. how could you
1: forget a farting
0: rooster? I may be mixing two other stories. I remember hmm. that there's farting in one of <laughs> one of the uh, Canterbury Tales. I remember Chanticle. <laughs> it's like,
1: I distinctly
0: remember. Yes, there we go. Uh, she assures him that he only suffers from indigestion and chides him for paying heed to a simple dream. Chanticle <laughs> recounts star eyes of prophets who foresaw their deaths, blah, blah, blah. Uh, da-da. I don't know. There's... It, there may be more emphasis <laughs> on the farting in my mind than there was in the actual story. But, uh, I distinctly remember <laughs> clear the Farting Roost.
1: Vertigo Voices. Come for the comics! Stay for the flatulence!
0: The, uh... The rooster flatulence.
1: <laughs> the rooster flatulence, yes. Yes. Okay,
0: so what is your last... What is your number ten?
1: Okay, number ten... Um. Well, again, like I, I failed in the assignment because I was just like, well, I like all of these, so I can't, I can't really pick. So this really doesn't necessarily f- reflect where I rank it. I'm just kind of reading backwards here. Um, is oh, I'm sorry, my notes are all stop up.
0: padding and tell me number ten.
1: <laughs> you can edit this out, right?
0: No, I can't. <laughs>
1: All right, brief lives, brief lives.
0: Brief Ooh, really?
1: Let's see again. Ah, I, I, I failed on the assignment though. Ah, I just. Man,
0: brief lives. <laughs> Can't believe. So you hate brief lives. No, 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 no. With no. A passion.
1: No, 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 no.
0: I'm just going to get on Twitter and let Neil Gaiman know <laughs> what you think about brief lives.
1: My podcast partner has no culture.
0: I can't believe <laughs>
1: don't you dare <laughs> yeah okay if I, I have no poetry in my soul I'm sorry <laughs> but again I failed at the assignment I know we were supposed to rank them but I didn't I felt like it would be like kind of like picking my favorite child which I don't have any kids but I'm gonna use that excuse well
0: you're gonna have to <laughs> gun to your head gun to your kids head what's <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sophie's Choice. Oh, sorry, that's a bad joke. Um,
0: so, yeah, okay, so number 10, Brief Lives. <laughs>
1: Brief Lives, yeah. Uh,
0: what's, what's Brief Lives about?
1: <laughs> it is about Dream and Delirium's quest to find their long-lost sibling, Destruction. Yes. And I really love this, so don't take my putting this at number 10 as a uh, remark on its quality. This is a fantastic book that anybody who likes good literature should read, not even just comic books. Because I feel like this is also a good jumping-on point for people who have never read Sandman. You really don't have to know too much about you know, what's going on, their prior um, issues, to understand the flow of this story. Um, and I love it. I love it so much.
0: I'm going to skip ahead a minute and let you know that Brief Lives is pretty high up on my list. <laughs> um, just because I, 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 really, I love the art in this one, and I really fucking love the relationships between death and or not death, excuse me, between dream, delirium, and destruction. Like, they're kind of the three pillars of this story. And, uh, and then also, uh, as the story progresses, and you see those, like, protections or whatever that the destruction had set up falling apart, and you see those, like, immortal characters getting killed off, and there's that one scene where death goes to collect one of them, and he's like, oh, man, I, I like, lived a pretty good life, didn't I? I lived a long time, like, because uh, he lived, like, a few hundred years or something. And He's like that. That's pretty good, isn't it? And she goes, "You get what everyone gets. You get a lifetime." That's and a that's line. one of my favorite quotes from Sandman. And then there's also that whole bit about the little girl falling asleep on the plane mm-hmm. when Dream sitting next to her, and then she like tells her mom, "She's like, yeah, when I was dreaming, I, I, uh, I knew how to fly, and then I woke up and forgot." Oh, and she's yeah. like, "And the, the key to flying is just to not fall." <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a lot of good little character moments in that book. Yeah.
0: It's a pity that you hate it so much.
1: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> now, um, I think that uh, uh, this is also uh, a story where you get to see Delirium be a little bit more fully fledged. Yeah. There's a lot of other books where uh, her character is meant to be spacey, but yeah. she can kind of be easy to forget because she is all over the place mentally, but she really has uh, She's more grounded here, and she is of, of the two, of her and Morpheus, when they come back from their quest after they do find destruction. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, she's the one that actually is more seated within herself and um, calm with the way things are, yeah. accepting of the change, whereas uh, Dream is not. And that's, you don't see Dream rattled that much, yeah. but here you see him rattled.
0: One, well, it's, I think he knows he's. Approaching his end. I think so. Um, But anyway, and you... uh, You see a lot more of, like, the internal workings of Delirium. But not obviously. Mm. Which is another thing that I like about the art. Is that you can see, like... Just within the art, you can see the gears turning in her mind and soul and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think her purpose in the story and her, uh, I don't know, emotional journey in the series, or in, in that storyline, excuse me, uh, causes the Endless to transcend their stations a little bit more. It's easy to look at them as just these uh, strange manifestations of human feelings, you know, whatever. Yeah. And yet, in, in her story in this, she becomes her own thing. She becomes her own uh, character with agency. Which right. is something that most of the Endless don't really have.
1: Right, exactly. That's a good way to put it.
0: And I think that's why she is so connected to destruction, because that's exactly why he left. Because he wanted his own agency, and he wanted his own his own place in the world that wasn't linked to these fucking mortals fucking everything up all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let them do their thing. Yeah, yeah, well said. Oh, and if, if I may add, this is probably not relevant to anyone but me, but... Uh, I do know what happened to Destruction, because at the very end of the comic, you know, he, he disappears again. He tears down the realm that he built for himself, and he goes away. Um, the guy who works in the tire shop looks exactly like Destruction, except that he cut his hair, but, you know, red hair, red beard...
0: Back off for a second. What the fuck are you talking... The guy who works at the tire shop? you yes. Are they talking about, like, real life? Real life, oh, yes. okay, yes, absolutely.
1: No. You're
0: not giving me any context here. This <laughs> okay. is the guy at the tire shop looking... Oh, is this a movie? Is this a co- another comic?
1: <laughs> no, for What me. are we talking about? Excuse me, in my own... I had my uh, um, car at the shop yesterday and through this morning getting the snow tires put on, and the guy who works the counter at Perfection Tires looks exactly like Destruction. He's a big guy with red hair, a red beard... And so that's what happened to Destruction. He now lives in Newport, Washington, changing tires.
0: <laughs> have you seen the show on Amazon Prime called Frank of Ireland? I have not. So it stars Brian Gleason and uh, Donald Gleason. Brothers. And, yes, okay. I mean they're 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 uh, Brendan Gleason's kids.
1: Oh, okay, yeah.
0: So it stars both of them, and I had always said that Brendan Gleason was my choice for Destruction to play him back in the day, but Brian Gleason in Frank of Ireland. Looks just like uh, young Brendan Gleeson, which when we were doing our fan cast, he was my choice.
1: That's right. Uh, now,
0: and Frank of Ireland is a pretty new show. I just I watched it. I don't know, probably a couple months ago. But he has like the uh, the big beard, and oh my like God. he looks exactly like Destruction now.
1: Wow. <laughs> Look at that.
0: There's a really great bit because it's like he's the slacker who lives with his parents, or excuse me, his mom. And, uh, he's always using the excuse that I live with my mom as like, well, I'm taking care of her even though, even though he's not. (laughs) And there's this, there's one episode where, uh, uh, she comments like, you know, if you keep living here, like what's this going to look like in like 30 years? And he's like, Oh geez, I don't know. And then he looks over to the side and in walks Brendan Gleeson (laughs) wearing the exact same clothes as him. And he's like, Dad, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> That's awesome. It's like it sets it up to think it's going to be a flash forward, and it's not. <laughs> That's
1: fantastic. I need to watch this thing. Yeah, it's,
0: really, it's like six episodes on Amazon Prime. It's really good. Okay. Oddly enough, in the series, Brendan and Donald do not play brothers. <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay, then, then who does Donald play?
0: Uh, just his dim friend. Anyway, get serious. Okay, so, um, <laughs> <clears throat> so you hate brief lives. And uh, my second, second from the last, my number nine, is Fables and Reflections.
1: Fantastic. I think it's that's a that's lip- great story. But.
0: <laughs> you're you're going to see a theme in mine is that I tend to not like the anthology stories mm-hmm. as much. I prefer the overarching narrative. And this is another uh, anthology and it has two stories in it that I fucking love. Uh, the one about uh, the Emperor, Which one that? Augustus Caesar. Oh, okay. When, yeah. he, uh, when he spends the day with the little dude. Um, can't remember the character's name. I just listened to that story <laughs> in uh, the Sandman Audio um. I mean, a few months ago. But I can't remember the little dude's name. <laughs> but regardless, uh, I really like that story. And I also really like... The uh, story about Joshua Norton, the, the emperor of the U.S. <laughs>
1: that one's pretty
0: good. <laughs> yeah. So I a, in, in the same audio, Joshua Norton, we've discussed this before, but he's played by uh, John Lithgow. Oh, yes. <laughs> so huh. John Lithgow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I've, I love those two stories. But again, it's just another anthology, and I'm not as big on those. I also – this tends to happen a lot in the one-off stories where – you're thrown into something without any context, and then only towards the end do you realize how it links up to everything. And that's fine, but when it gets overdone, I get I care about it less. <laughs> and if you were actually to read the Sandman series uh, as it was published, this wouldn't probably feel as apparent, because uh, Fables and Reflections is actually... Um, a bunch of like one-off issues just jammed together in one volume. Mm-hmm. So th- this actually doesn't have a linear flow, uh, like the last one that I said, uh, world's end. Cause it's like issue 31, issue 29, issue 38, issue 30, you know?
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. No, that that's a good point. I, I really like the book because I, it's just a bunch of fun, frolicking, interesting stories to me, but, it is probably the least necessary yeah. of, uh, of reading for the Sandman.
0: I also don't like Parliament of Rooks. That's just an issue I don't really like. No? Why not? I don't know. Something about it. It's just, that's the one when, when little, little Daniel goes into the dreaming. Oh, yeah.
1: And Daniel I guess
0: that's, that's that's kind of needed to set up his story. It's just, I don't know. It's the one with a little endless.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And I mean, it's fine, but it's, I don't know. It's not, it's not, that, it's not that engaging to me.
1: Did not captivate you. I guess the other thing about it is... Wait,
0: I take that back. I didn't... (laughs) Nah. Uh, Sorry. And that that one isn't that engaging to me, but it's fine. But uh, Soft Places is the one that I just didn't really care for. I was getting those confused. Soft Places is the one with Marco Polo. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he's stuck in a desert, runs into Fiddler's Green.
1: Yeah. I think I remember that one... I might get this wrong. I, I, I think I remember that one probably least because there's so many different artistic styles in that book. Yeah. But I, if I'm, if it's the one that I'm thinking of, I don't think I was particularly captivated by that artist style.
0: Also, it has the hunt, which is probably my least favorite issue, single issue of the series as a whole. It's one of this dude telling a story about uh, Koshai the Deathless mm-hmm. and werewolves mm-hmm. and. It's so tenuously linked to anything else <laughs> in the series that it's clearly just Neil Gaiman kind of wanting to have some fun with Eastern European lore. Mm-hmm. And that's cool, but I've read American Gods. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that is a very, very engaging read, I Yeah, think, exactly. So, mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, it's you know, again, n- n- nothing in this is bad. It's just my own interpretation, not my own interpretation, my own feelings of it aren't that strong.
1: Not very overly attached
0: to it. In fact, realistically, this probably should have been number 10 just because of the hunt. But whatever. It's also got the Joshua Norton story,
1: which I, which I really like. So we'll, we'll, we'll let it pass then. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're on thin ice, Fables and Reflections. Just squeezed through in being a, a wonderful piece of art <laughs> that I tend to not care about as much as others. <laughs>
1: Well, I have to say, you're a lot more discerning than I am, because I went through my books, and I was like, oh, I really like that one, and I really like that one, and I really like that one. Um, I really like all of these, yes, <laughs> but
0: the assignment was 10 to 1.
1: Like, the assignment was ranking, so know, we're I ranking. Know. I get an F this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, since I didn't rank any of mine, I feel like we should just go down your list, and then I'll be like, oh, I agree, or no, and here's why.
0: Yeah. All right, we you do that. <clears throat> so then mine will be definitive.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Uh, so number eight for me was A Game of You, no, I which, like Gaiman says, this is almost everyone else's last or least favorite, mm-hmm. which is why it's his number one, <laughs> his, his favorite.
1: Being a little contrary.
0: <clears throat> yeah. And uh, especially, like, I just recently listened to the second volume of the Sandman audio, and uh, I think that made me like this story less. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> because when I first read it, like, oh, that's interesting. You know, the Cloud Cuckoo Land and the fucking Martin Ten Bones and all that. Mm-hmm. But in listening to it, it makes me realize how probably more than, in the other, than any of the other Sandman stories, it's all about the visuals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, I like, when you can't see what's going on in this story, it's really boring.
1: <laughs> true. True. Yeah, and comic books rely a lot on yeah. And I mean, I
0: th- so that's fine. The actual series or the actual comic book is uh, is fine, um, mm. but it just it didn't it didn't blow me away on the story level. And it's focused on a character that I just don't really care about. You know, like Barbie, yeah. who is a side character f- from one volume and now gets her own story. And you know, it's interesting to see the the characters that spin off out of that, like Thessaly. This is this is a story that introduced her. Mm-hmm. And she got, you know, multiple spin-offs. Uh, Hazel and Foxglove. Foxglove is one of the stars of Death, Time of Your Life. Mm. The mm-hmm. second Death miniseries. And uh it's, you know, it's fine. It's just not favorite
1: <laughs> actually uh, yeah i i feel like eight is a good spot to rank that i mean because i i actually thought it was fun to kind of get a side quest with barbie um but again if you if you asked me like pinpointed me to it and be like is this essential sandman reading well not not really it really doesn't further that particular character and his particular story in any way it's just a, an enjoyable divergence i think mm.
0: it's also like when you're Digging into, like, fantasy lands and, like, people's minds, you know, like, I don't give a shit about her little <laughs> porpentine land with, you know, with little talking animals. So, like, I I don't know. That's just not, that's not interesting to me. <laughs>
1: that is not a trip you would take. <laughs> no, that, that's But true. whatever.
0: Again, it's still, it's still good. <laughs>
1: oh, it is. It is. It's yeah.
0: just not as good to me.
1: No, that's fair. That's, and... The The art, I know the art is uh, not that different from, from a lot of the but there's just something about the art in this that is a little bit stagnant. You have a lot of panels with characters and no background. Yeah. Which, you know, may not be a deal breaker for you, and it isn't a deal breaker for me, but it just, for a booklet centered around so much imagination, and again, this, this kind of fantasy land, I guess it would have been a little better for me to have seen more of that. Yeah.
0: Uh, number seven for me is Dream Country, this is the third volume of the comic. It's it's really short. It's only four issues, and I really don't like Dream of a Thousand Cats. It's one another one of those where it's this entirely new set of characters. It's just a bunch of fucking cats. Like I don't, <laughs> not Andrew Lloyd Webber. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And they have no musical numbers. Yeah.
0: And so then after that, you're only left with three stories. mid number, ugh, mid number, yeah. <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream is great. That's mm-hmm. the, the fun Shakespeare flashback Charles Vess issue. And then Facade is a fun one. That's the one... Fun one? Jesus. It's all about suicide. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs>
0: so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. <laughs> And then, uh, and then Calliope is a really dark, weird story that I also enjoy. Um, that one probably, well, maybe not. I was going to say that one probably has the most direct follow-up because you know, it features Dream right after he gets out of the prison. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, regardless, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't really propel the narrative overall, mm-hmm. which, especially when I first read the series, that, like, that confused the hell out of me. This this is the first of the anthology volumes, Mm -hmm. and the first time I read this series in high school, I was like, oh, this is going to be a story all about this fucking Sandman guy, and then it gets to this one, like, where is he? What is going on? (laughs) And I remember being really confused and irritated by that, you know, well, not irritated, but whatever. (laughs) Confused and...
1: A bit disappointed,
0: maybe? Probably. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so because of that, it's just not as high up
1: for me. It's funny, though, that you mentioned that, because if I had done the assignment correctly, that's actually, like, number four on my list. Um, but then again, I just, now that you pointed out, yeah, Samman isn't in it that much, but I just, uh, well, it's it's called Dream Country, so I just kind of associated that, hey, it's all about dreams, guess who is the lord of that? And yeah. so, um, I like the cats. I don't like Andrew Weber's cats, but... <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know, I... <laughs> There are some really good issues in this volume, but that's not one of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you compare
0: that to like Midsummer's Night, Midsummer Night's Dream, I like the art better. Yeah. Or Calliope? I mean, Calliope is such a fucking grotesque issue.
1: I love Calliope. I, I I love Calliope. I know it's really dark. It's really yeah. It is at the end grotesque. when
0: uh, when Medoc is like tearing his fingers off to write on the wall because he, like you know he doesn't have a pencil anymore, so he just using his gnarled fingertips to scroll in blood and the way i think that was kelly jones or sorry excuse me malcolm jones no who oh. did the issue yeah kelly jones i was right um, and, well and it was inked by malcolm jones <laughs> So
1: you <were> right, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. anyway the way the way he draws his like grizzled gross hands looks so inhuman yeah and it, it like yeah it was very intense and cool um so anyway, still a great issue. <laughs> so, still a great uh, volume, just uh, lower on the list for me. Okay. Which I'm just going to say that over and over and over because again, these are all great.
1: <laughs> right. Just
0: you okay. gotta gotta rank them. Everything's got to be ranked. This is the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know?
0: List-based uh, content is all anyone can take anymore.
1: That's all we have the attention span for. Yeah, it's higher up for me, but I can I can see why why it wouldn't be for everybody. Let's put it that way.
0: Then my middle-of-the-road one is The Kindly Ones. The Kindly Ones. Oh, it's, you know, that's the one where they kill Dream.
1: Oh, yeah, fuck. It's
0: the, the one where, you know, like, Loki puts his little plan into action. Was it, Loki and Robin Goodfellow or whatever?
1: No, I, I I just had a moment where I was like, shit, is that not on my list? It's on my list.
0: The, the Kindly Ones, the Furies, the Ironies, um... Loki and Robin Goodfellow uh, put their little plan into motion after Desire gets Dream to kill Orpheus. ties in with Daniel and Rose Walker and the Corinthian, and it's a big, uh, it's like a big finish for the series. This is the, the big uh,
1: climax. Which is kind of surprising to me about why you have it as your middle-of-the-road one.
0: Yeah, because it's, it is it is a big climax, and it's again, it's great. <laughs> it's just not one that ever really uh resonated with me all that much because as much as I like the overarching story of Sandman something about having a big finish and a big story like this feels weird because it's so much about you know dreams and uh you know brief lives the technically the story that's before this although there's there's a volume in between there you know that one's just a finding a brother (laughs) you know (laughs) and so to see those like personal stories then turn into like kind of a big bombastic quote action story it's not really an action story but there's a scene like there's a scene where a car explodes right and Loki's watching it blow up and I remember reading that the first time being like
1: seems kind of weird
0: like that seems like a superhero comic
1: Uh, I think you could argue that The Kindly Ones is as close to an action comic maybe as Sandman is gonna get in that particular in these particular books so, but I don't know, I feel like, like you said, a lot of loose threads kind of get tied up.
0: Yeah, that's true. Literally at one point.
1: The, <laughs> the thread
0: that's connecting to Daniel.
1: No, there you go. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that this is, if you are interested in jumping on board with Sandman, especially before the Netflix series comes out, I would say don't jump on here. Well, obviously,
0: this is a very one to ten uh, series. Yes. Start with volume one. <laughs> but yeah, I, and it's it's a good story. It's just, I don't know, middle of the road for me. Yeah. Okay. And those enough. things, those things that are just listed as negatives could also be considered positives. Even, yeah. even to me, because <laughs> mm-hmm. there is a lot going on in this story and uh, it's interesting with interesting characters. I just like others better.
1: Can't argue that. Um, I don't know how much I like, got really excited about Daniel becoming a new aspect of Dream, but, I mean, it doesn't hurt the narrative in any when way. it's
0: set up from Daniel's first appearance. Yeah. So it makes sense.
1: It does, but I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm being too much of a, uh, oh, someone who doesn't like change, but, <laughs> but, um, I and mean, I guess that was one part that I was like, oh, well, no, I mean, it's a logical conclusion, but I, it just didn't knock my socks off. Yeah.
0: And I think it's Mark Mark Hempel's art in it. Also didn't necessarily blow me away. I mean, it's not bad per se. Like, you know, there's nothing bad about any of this art. It's just uh, a style. Because it's very cartoony. Yeah, it know, is. Like, it very is. cartoony style. And it's a style that kind of betrays the seriousness of the story. You think so? Well, yes, because it's cartoony. <laughs> it's cartoony <laughs> style style and it's a very serious subject matter dealing with the death of the main character and this woman dealing with grief mm-hmm. who lets her grief get so out of control that she literally manifests the furies to kill someone you know so yeah i mean cartoony and serious but that said i think that that is the point mm-hmm. i think you're you're forced to reconcile those and i think because of that it's very I don't know, very mature idea (laughs) to like force somebody to to look at at the cartoony art and then dig deeper. And because of that, I think that art actually works better than if it were a more, quote, like photoreal or, quote, mature style of art. But but that said, I mean, it still looks kind of cartoony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I see what you mean. I, I should uh, rephrase, though, because when I think of cartoony, I don't think it's necessarily cartoony, because when I think cartoony, I think of, like, caricature. Um, but it looks very
0: caricature. Like, like look at, here, let me find a picture of Loki. Loki, Mark, Hempel, Hem,
1: Hempel. Well, it, it is very stylized, absolutely.
0: Oh, there's the explosion scene. Like, I mean, come on, that looks like a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it does. Okay, I, I can't really...
0: And he's got that giant... You can't see it because of the way that's fucking framed, but he's got that giant, like, winding piece of hair there. hmm And... Oh, there we go. There's another example of just kind of the cartooniness of it. And I'm not saying cartoony as a negative. I'm just saying that it literally looks like a cartoon.
1: It is very, like, very different. Like
0: it looks like something that would be animated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... There's a specific panel that I think is really beautiful. You're right. It. it, the, it Lucky when he's tied down. I remember that. <laughs> oh yes. Um, I think it's Daniel, and I he's walking down a path. Oh, that there you go. There you go. There it is.
0: Oh,
1: Rose. Rose. Excuse me. It's not Daniel.
0: Not Rose. Jesus. Uh, Daniel's mom. What the fuck is her name? Oh fuck. Uh, um. Lyda.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I I really like that. I think it's yeah. really pretty. I like the, yeah, uh, the two sides. Yeah. I think it's really well done. But now that you mention it, yes, it is kind of cartoony. Yeah.
0: And I, again, I'm not saying cartoony is a negative. I'm just saying that that's what it looks like. It looks like animation, as opposed to, say, Michael Zuli, who mm. did The Wake. Um, Michael Zuli, The Wake. Because his style is very photorealistic and looks like. Uh, What's the word? Like a fucking fresco or something. Yes. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see that animated.
1: No, probably not. Probably. Although, um, I have to say his, again, cause this, this is not like a, a harsh judgment because these people could draw circles around me. Um, his art kind of reminds me of those paintings that you see in thrift stores that like, they're good, but at the same time, you're very much aware that it's someone who's learning tr- to paint. Wow,
0: you hate Michael Zoom. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> now, I could not disagree with you more. <laughs> because I think the art in the wake, the final volume of Sandman, is my favorite of the whole series.
1: Really? Yes.
0: Okay. Absolutely. Because it's... Uh, one of the things I love about it, Neil Gaiman pointed this out when it was first released is that they didn't get an inker to finish it. So it's Michael Zulli's unfinished pencil mark. Like, yeah. you can see the pencil line work and all that.
1: Mm-hmm. And he said
0: that if, if you were to ink that, you'd lose the texture that, that he put in. And that was like a decision that I'm pretty sure they had to fight DC over to release it essentially unfinished. Hmm. And I love seeing that just raw, art like raw Michael zuli There's fucking dark side sitting right there. I <laughs> totally didn't remember that. So when we reviewed the Snyder cut, there's another connection to Sandman.
1: Oh fucking yeah.
0: dark side. That's huh. right. That's crazy. Um yeah anyway, I love his art. I, re- I like his like, Lucian. Oh, God damn that looks fucking cool.
1: I'm again it's like it's not that it's bad art. Fucking, it's...
0: Fucking, talking about Thomas Kincaid over here. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like thrift store art. (laughs) Jesus. Of all the comparisons, thrift store art. Okay. That wasn't the most friendly of comparisons. I was prepared to go with you on on a few different ways you were going to take that. Not thrift store art.
1: Okay. That was probably a little bit too harsh. And maybe it is the unfinished look that really doesn't resonate with me. Um, Because there's quite a few. A lot of the paint, like, it's not that I don't like unfinished art or that um, from scratch look, but uh, a lot of the comic book seems um, like just bleached of color for the very same reasons you mentioned. Um, and while it's not bad, it's not poorly done, it's just not my preferred aesthetic. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, okay, sorry. I thought for a second that I mis, uh, miscredited someone, but I did not. Because I'm awesome. Of course. Uh, so, after Kindly Ones, up to number five
1: now, I think?
0: I think I so. Uh, seasons of Mists. Season
1: of Mists. Oh, that was like, if, again, if I had done this right. Lower for you? No, no, no. That was like my number three. Oh, I thought you said that.
0: It, oh, never mind. Doesn't matter. Uh, I, I like that one. It's, it's a good one. I like uh, I like seeing all the uh, all the different uh Religions, you know, the, the all the different mythological characters yes. coming in to try to buy hell.
1: <laughs> I I enjoy that part a lot. Like Anubis shows up, yeah. Odin,
0: Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. o- Odin gives Dream or tri- tempts. Excuse me, Odin tempts Dream with a little orb containing the Justice Society <laughs> as they're fighting Ragnarok, mm-hmm. which goes back to the fucking Justice Society comics and Infinity Inc in the eighties. And that was so such a fun little nod to that. He's like, "Yeah, I created my own little Ragnarok, and these fucking idiots are fighting it." <laughs> One of them's after actually named after you. Like, you want it?
1: <laughs> my gift to you. Yeah, and
0: dreams like, yeah, I I know it, I, it's, it's fine. <laughs> He's like, nah, I have enough snow globes. In the uh, in the audio, Odin's played by Mil- Bill Nye, and uh, Loki is played by David Tennant, and they sound Scottish as hell. <laughs> like they're just. Couldn't get more Scottish than them. And like you guys know you're supposed to be Norse, or right? whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Go with it. <laughs>
1: yeah, just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got to that point in the audiobook yet.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fun volume that does a lot to set up the overall mythology of the series. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of alluded to and hinted at and talked about. But this is where like, oh yeah, no, all these belief systems exist here because uh I always liked the idea of Sandman and Vertigo as a whole. The idea that man creates our myth so all myth is valid and all myth exists because we summon it into being. So you have all these crazy beliefs and mythologies clashing against each other in one setting. And that's really cool. And Thor is just the big lumbering dipshit um, fucking trying to get women to rub his hammer. (laughs) Like, he says something that it'll grow if you rub it.
1: <laughs> He's a horn dog. Yeah,
0: which that's how that's how Thor is in mythology. He's a big fucking idiot. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: He's yeah. not not Chris Hemsworth with his luscious locks. No, <laughs>
1: no. And yeah, most of the gods, um, well, they're horny bastards anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I I really like seasons of mist. Um, I how do I, it is very talky, yeah. and some people might not like that. I like that, I, I do.
0: I like it for this volume just because, like I said, like all those myths coming together. It's just really interesting to see how they interact, and even when it diverges, like this is the volume that introduces the Dead Boy Detectives. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like its divergences are more interesting than some of the others in the series, and uh, yeah, it's just really good. I love uh, you know Lucifer. I mean, it's funny to me that Lucifer is not in it that much. You know, He's not, he, no. he abandons hell and then he shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. But his, his taint is over the whole series or over the whole volume. Um, I mean that figuratively, not literally. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, uh, doesn't squat over the story.
1: <laughs> There's no graphic drawings.
0: <laughs> you, can, you can just feel his presence the whole time. You can. And that's, that's a really interesting, uh, I don't know, interesting way to take that character. It is. And it led to the wonderful Fox and Netflix series, Lucifer, <laughs> starring Tom Ellis, which, you um, we need to finish, we need to get back into that. It's the next 40 episodes need to be all about Lucifer.
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you, you know what I like. Um, <laughs> I have to admit, though, while I was rereading that, um, and I do have to give the show credit for this, as much as I might begrudgingly admit it, um, it really does establish his his uh well basically his moral approach, if you could say he has a moral approach at all to his job in hell. Yeah. Because I what does he say exactly? There's a part where he's talking to Dream and he's like, How you know, like like you said in a previous episode where he talks about like, you know, people think that I, yeah. you know, buy souls yeah, like I a like wife what, at a fish market. What
0: use do I have for a soul?
1: Yeah, um yeah, how can anyone own a soul? Yeah. And uh, what is this? yeah, they belong to themselves. Yeah. They just hate to have to own it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And just the idea that that like that humanity needs their own oppression.
1: Uh,
0: they need their. They crave their own oppression. Right. And that no one, no one is forcing you to be punished. You are punishing yourself. Right. There's a whole part where they talk to that one guy that's like the. Can't remember his name, but he's like on the rack, and he's like, ah, "I, I was a fucking warlord, and I raped, and I murdered, and I bet people are still talking about me." And Lucifer's like, "No, dude, nobody cares. Like, you're, you're flash in the pan. Like you were very important for a very brief period in time. Your name has been completely forgotten. You don't even have any heirs. Like, nobody, nobody even mourned your death. Like, <laughs> so what do you think about that?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really rephrases the whole ideology of hell that we carry around when yeah. you think
0: about it. Which, I love that that's almost nihilism. Mm-hmm. That feel, because that I mean that's that's you can call it what you want, but it's reality. <laughs> and we build up so much as a species, we build up so much meaning to make ourselves feel important. Right. When it's you know, like uh, to quote uh, Michelle McNamara, it's chaos. Be kind. Like, that's it. Yeah, that's good. The the universe is chaos. The best you can do is just be nice to people.
1: (laughs) Well said.
0: And yet so many people are like, long for legacy. And All right, next up, Doll's House. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: I love the serial killer convention. It's a really fucking creepy issue or story. Um, You've got the Corinthian in there. He's a great villain. Fantastic villain. Um, Rose Walker and her backstory. Um Dream being a little bit more involved in the narrative.
1: Art's fantastic. Yeah, Art's fantastic.
0: Gilbert. I love I love the character of Gilbert, f- Fiddler's Green.
1: Who who colored the doll's house? It was I seem to remember liking that very much for it the colors. Was... I'm gonna sit and no,
0: never mind. <laughs> uh I think Mike Dringenberg did the Oh, it's Malcolm Jones again.
1: Oh okay. Well, there you go. Malcolm that's Jones one. the third. That's why I like it. Wait, there.
0: that's just illustrated. Oh. Excuse me. Colored by Robbie Bush. Oh, alright. Good job, Robbie Bush. Well
1: done, Robbie.
0: But the inkers were Mike, Malcolm Jones and Steve Parkhouse. Steve Parkhouse.
1: Okay. I can't remember where I've seen Steve Parkhouse before, but I'm sure I have. Well, besides Sam I'm <laughs>
0: at, at the tire store.
1: At the, at the tire store, yes! That's right. <laughs> no, uh, The Doll's House, yeah, I'd, I'd rank it there, too. Um, probably, it's just a good book. Yeah. It's, um, I, I hope, I hope the Corinthian shows up and the serial killer convention shows up in the Netflix yeah, series. Yeah, they've already said that. Have yeah, they? they? Yeah.
0: He was one of the first people that they announced as being cast. Hal, well, Hal Holbrook. No. <laughs> what the fuck is his name? Boyd Holbrook? Yeah, I think so. Which one's the old oh, guy?
1: No, um, uh, yeah, Boyd Holbrook. The guy that was the bad guy in Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all coming back to me now. You just have to treat me like I'm a 75 year old woman <laughs> with a very short memory. Just be patient. Grandma. <laughs> we talked about this.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's and they've shown a picture of uh, of like one of the tables at the serial killer convention.
1: I missed that. We didn't talk about that on the show, did we? No. The table it
0: was. It was just. It was during that like. Fucking, here's what we're doing real that they did like.
1: Oh yes, I don't know, yes, yes, yes. How okay. long ago that was? Well, I'll go back and watch
0: it. It's just it's like a one second brief shot of the table, or one of the tables there. But yeah, um, that's it's just a that's such a weird fucking, morbid story, of serial killers and a, who would have ever thought to do a convention of serial killers? Right. But then once you <laughs> once you hear that, you're like, yeah, like who would have thought that? But then like, how come that hasn't been done before? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so simple yet why didn't i think
0: of that
1: (laughs) (laughs) it has a lot of cool ideas that i feel like it follows through on um and i i feel like maybe this is just me but i feel like uh uh what's her name delirium i almost feel like in this one she
0: Delirium's not in this one
1: but she's not no no she
0: rose walker is delirium's not in doll's house
1: Oh no no no! Okay, I'm sorry. I, I thought of delirium because Rose Walker has the colored hair. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, all That's right. Desire is, nope. isn't she in this one? I thought so.
0: Not yeah. Desire is, but not delirium. Anyway, regardless, because yeah, because Desire is trying to get Dream to kill Rose Walker. That's right. Because right. she's a relation. That's right. Desire raped her mom.
1: <laughs> oh, Desire! <laughs>
0: <laughs> that Desire. <laughs>
1: well, and. I guess that's an aspect of, like, Greek... Wait, drama.
0: Grandma, not Mom. Excuse me. Anyway.
1: <laughs> 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 Whoever. <laughs> um, Unity um, Kincaid.
0: Unity Kincaid.
1: Yes. Um, that's an aspect of... This is strewn throughout all of Sandman, but that's an aspect of this, again, that I really like and I feel is... Um, emphasized. Not necessarily underlined to the point where it's obvious, but that... The part of Greek mythology that reminds you that, you know, nowadays we have such a genteel version of a deity. Yeah. yeah whereas, like, these guys are all, in Greek mythology and North mythology, like, all the gods, it's
0: Mythology like, in general. Mythology <laughs> in general. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, it predates Judeo-Christianity.
0: Even yeah. in Judeo-Christianity, we don't talk about it, but in <laughs> mytho- there's, it's real rapey. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it is really, really rapey, you're right.
1: Um, but it's it's that... It's that indifference Capriciousness. To Capriciousness, yeah. yes. And yes. even that's
0: pretty thick in the Old Testament.
1: No, it is. It is.
0: Look at uh, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Lot, Lot's wife gets turned into a pile of salt because she looks backwards. Right? Right.
1: Well, isn't that based off of um...
0: Orpheus? Yes. And the underworld? Probably.
1: Yeah, because he. I mean, it's
0: all fucking based on everything, you know? Yes, like... yes. <laughs>
1: But again like you were saying that capriciousness and that yeah. indifference almost that um, these god like nowadays we tend to think of god as this benevolent cares so much about what we do yeah. almost to the point that like we pray to him if we've lost our keys yeah. whereas with these guys humans at, at best were like a flower like yeah. oh that's really pretty or they're like oh I have a hangnail that's kind of where humanity ranks. I'd rests. say more
0: like more like an ant Oh, yeah. Like, one of those, like, oh, it's it's maybe fun to watch that ant push that crumb along, but if you step on it, you're not going to give too much thought, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it may be fun to observe on occasion, but at the end of the day, you've got better things to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Desire is totally like that, unless yeah. he, she is like, oh, I'd fuck that person.
0: <laughs> All for a Machiavellian scheme to kill her brother. Her, his brother, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, all right, so after Doll's House, I, uh, we're in the top three now. Okay. There's only three left. <laughs> uh, the Wake. Number three is The Wake. Yeah. I you know Nothing happens in it. It's just all wrap up. Um, but I love it. I love the art. I love the characters just kind of talking through their emotions and their histories. Uh, the series ends on the William Shakespeare. It's called The Tempest, kind of him dealing with the death of his son, isn't that right? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe that was just in a, in the flash forward, but uh, re- regardless, it's, so it ends with William Shakespeare, which isn't the strongest, I think, but, um, seeing everyone at the wake and how this manifestation of dream literally affected the entire universe was very interesting to me. And then also that, that bit with Hob. uh, mm-hmm. I've said many times that I feel like Hob is probably my favorite character in this series because he's the most human. Like he he is the avatar of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um for good, bad, you know, uh, warts and all, Hob is is people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our best and our
0: worst. Yes, exactly. And I love that that story of him at the Renaissance Fair. There's just like little things, like the fact that his girlfriend is black. And it's almost like uh, I think I can't remember if it's brought up directly or if it's just his own internalizing his role in the slave trade, mm-hmm. and like his his guilt for perpetuating you know one of the one of the most uh, horrific things in human history, <laughs> and then uh, but then also his little comments about like you know these Renaissance fairs, the one thing that they always miss about the past is just source. <laughs> and he's like just seeing people with, with just huge goiters on their face and open wounds and all that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I just love those little touches of, like, yeah, man, if, if you'd, if you'd lived as long as he had, you'd have a completely different perspective on looking back at the past.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just everything. Yeah. 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 Um, and, that, and the art is great too. What um, is how? Okay, now you've got me thinking about the Renaissance. Not that it matters, but now I'm like, what was Holmes' girlfriend's name? Yeah,
0: I don't remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Want to say that it starts with like Jen or something? Gwen. Like that. It's oh, Gwen. Okay, all right, there you go. Now I know. Um, and I do like the fact that you have that coming together of the of the endless and them actually emoting to one another. Um. Which you really don't get a lot of, because, you know, families are dysfunctional and they don't fucking talk about stuff.
0: <laughs> and I, I also like the fact that, like, everyone, everyone deals with things differently. Like, uh, you know, all the characters that got killed off in The Kindly Ones, when Daniel becomes the new dream, the first thing he does is start remaking uh, the, the dreaming. Mm. And he remakes, I think Kane got killed. Yeah. I think he brings Kane back. He's like, oh, I'm back. And then uh, Gilbert, Fiddler's Green, died also. So he brings back Fiddler's Green and he's like, Yeah, I was actually kinda happy just to be gone.
1: Like,
0: I, <laughs> okay. like people don't really need me anymore, and I'm I'm I liked that uh, uncreation. like <laughs> so if you could do that again, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Please put me back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Daniel lets him rest. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I, I would I, I couldn't remember if they actually addressed the fact that Shakespeare's son Hamnet was I can't remember if he was dead then, or if it just ended with an epilogue saying that his son would die.
1: Yeah, but, but whatever, I'm... it doesn't matter. Well, it's. Um, uh, I can see why he put it there, um, but I don't know if it's necessary because I feel like before that it it ends pretty. Yeah. Ends pretty well.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just one of those like postscripts. I get why it's there, but it whatever. The rest of the series, or the rest of the story is really strong to me. Yes. Even though not a lot happens. It's just, it's about saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's awake for the character and it's awake for the series.
1: If you're going to write dialogue where people just talk to each other, that's how it's Yeah, fun. exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Nary a monologue in sight.
1: <laughs> All the better for it.
0: And, I, and that also has one of my favorite gag moments of Batman, Superman, and Martian Manhunter talking. And it's uh, all three of them in the dreaming, talking, and Superman's dressed like Clark Kent, and he says something about, like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I uh, had this dream where my head was a lion one time, and then I turned into a bug or whatever. He's describing old, golden age Superman stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he goes, but the worst dream I've ever had is where I'm just an actor, and my whole life is just a movie or a TV show. And he's like, and I can't get out of it, and everyone's watching me. And he's like, he's like yeah, have you had that? And Batman goes, doesn't everyone? And then it cuts to Martian Manhunter and he goes, not me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's excellent. Yeah. That's a great gag. (laughs) And
0: that was years before Martian Manhunter was on, even like that was before the Justice League animated series, you know. So he had never been in (laughs) adapted.
1: (laughs) Poor John. (laughs) Okay, so I'm interested to hear what you have for
0: So number two is Preludes and Nocturnes. First volume. That was my number one. It's a really, really good story. It sets up the universe beautifully <laughs> the character the stakes everything uh, I have very few complaints with it it's a really really good um, horror fantasy comic mm-hmm. 24 hours is one of the creepiest comics of all time <laughs> uh, the fantasy elements are beautifully intertwined the art is great it's such a strong showing from a you know bold and new direction for comics in general. Mm-hmm. And it still has some of that early, or it, it, what comes, you know, like later in the series, uh, it's so full of mythology and poetry and early on there was less of that, but it's still, it's still there. Mm -hmm. I mean, this entire, this entire fucking series reads like one giant epic poem. There's, there's just, there's lyricism to the storytelling Mm -hmm. and it flows like a goddamn river. gorgeous (laughs) gorgeous <laughs> and all of that traces back to the very fucking first word in the first issue you know <laughs> yeah
1: yeah if, again if I had, if I had, I would pick that for my number one and at first I wondered like if that would even count because um, I, I know we're supposed to rank all of them but I was like well you know you wouldn't have Sandman the way we know it if you didn't have Preludes and Nocturnes but yeah. then that's why it's my number one <laughs>
0: yeah. and it's you know it's, it's a great it's a great starting point for, for so much of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. This is a great, uh, you know, uh, starting point not only for Sandman, not only for for this strange uh, collection of characters, but just Vertigo comics in general.
1: Yes, yeah, this is where the seeds were planted, basically. And even more than that,
0: just comics that quote are for adults. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is the perfect like. Oh, you don't like comics? Well, read this fucker. <laughs> Tell me you don't like that, you piece of shit.
1: <laughs> just for kids, I think not. Then go die. <laughs> Keep your comic nonsense to yourself.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it, that's it's just a great starting point. And it just felt weird putting that at number one to me, so that's why number one for me is Brief Lives. Mm-hmm. As we've already discussed, <laughs> because it's just that the, the uh, connection between brother, sister, and uh, the journey, it's, it's a much more emotional story than Preludes and Nocturnes.
1: It really is, yeah.
0: <clears throat> and that's probably the only negative from Preludes and Nocturnes, is kind of its, <laughs> comparatively, breakneck pace. It goes from here to there to there to there. And it's introducing all these new characters without giving them much context. Right. But it's also, I mean, you know that that's coming later.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so it's its just, it's introducing, Carrie, it's a prelude.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not a book for those people who are like I don't understand what's going on, tell me who this person is It's like, they will, just, yeah. just go with it, ride and, the river And
0: so that's probably the only negative about it But even that's not really a negative Because you really have to view this series as a whole
1: mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, and, and I, I just love the emotion in Brief Lives That is a little absent in Preludes and Nocturnes
1: Yeah, that's a good point yeah, you don't really have a chance to emotionally glom on any of the characters. But.
0: but even that, that's also probably by design. I mean, you're watching Dream uh, mature as the series goes. Yes. So it makes sense that he'd be cold and a little distant in this first volume. And by the time Brief Lives comes around, he's, you know, having a wacky adventure with his sister.
1: Right. <clears throat> you can see how he's changed.
0: Yeah. And that's another reason why it's just viewing this as a whole is so essential.
1: Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate very much, um, and I think you might have pointed pointed this out to me. Like when we very very first met, um, it totally goes against the idea of destruction that you would have in your head. Yeah. How that character would behave, what his, yeah, yeah. his attitude would be like. I mean, he's basically like a a meditative monk.
0: Yeah, but but more than that, because he's a very like boisterous, joyous character. Right. right. He's a uh, he's like uh... Christ. I don't even I don't even have a point of, uh, of
1: comparison <laughs> he's like a like a happy monk <laughs> yeah he is he is yeah, yeah. And, I mean he is someone who takes a lot of pleasure in life and doesn't feel the need to make excuses or explanations for yeah. it.
0: I think um, I pointed out that he was one of the most human of the Endless
1: mm-hmm.
0: as a uh, and especially because he spent so much time down in, in the dirt with humans and he has the same you know he has I mean, all the Endless have faults but his faults feel very human Right. He's a little bit prideful. He's a little bit full of himself, um, but he also uh, strives for something better, and he feels an enormous amount of guilt for his station in life. Which, as we discussed with uh, season season of mists, uh, that's probably the most human thing that there is—the idea of guilt. <laughs>
1: right, right. Except instead of wallowing it, he has decided to do something about it and yeah. use it for something better. Yeah. Um. To
0: make Thomas Kincaid
1: paintings. Exactly.
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about thrift store art, that's that's destruction.
1: Okay, I apologize. <laughs> all don't come for me.
0: I just love and he's got you know Barnabas, his dog. Oh yeah. And yeah. like, doesn't Barnabas talk shit about his paintings? Isn't he his like poetry?
1: The, I think. Oh, it's poetry. Yeah. Excuse
0: me. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking paintings. Oh
1: okay,
0: I just remember Barnabas being like, "That's terrible." <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. and he thinks it's so so like so soulful and great. <laughs>
1: yeah. Barnabas is like, "I am so tired of hearing yeah. this shit." <laughs> <laughs> and it is kind of funny that if, out of all the endless, like you feel if you ran into any of them, um, you know they're they're gods basically. Like they would be intimidating and scary. And Destruction is the one that if you actually met, you'd probably feel safest with. Yeah.
0: It reminds me of, in Hellblazer, there's a character called Lord of the Dance that reminds me a bit of Destruction. He's this big, boisterous guy who has a big, bushy beard, and he dresses in, like, a toga and a fucking crown, and yet he's literally the the god of merriment, like, mm. of, of joy and singing and whatnot. And there's a whole issue where he... Uh, he and Constantine get drunk and sing uh, Lord of the Dance in a crowded bar. <laughs> it's a good moment. Yeah. He shows up at John's 40th birthday and uh, talks about the pogues with him. And <laughs> He's a very fun, earnest human character.
1: Sounds like someone you'd want to go out to karaoke with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, oh, good, good number one pick.
0: Uh, yeah, And I suppose that's it. We're done with our Sandman rankings. Well... Uh,
1: you're done with your rankings because you actually rank them, <laughs> so you get an A-plus for effort.
0: Yeah, but like I said, <laughs> since, since uh, you didn't follow the prompt, now mine are yours. Brief Lives is your favorite. <laughs> All right, fine.
1: <laughs> so say if the internet.
0: It's either that or you get an F. I don't know what to tell you.
1: <laughs> the laws of the list dictate. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, um, like and subscribe. You know, you know the fucking... I'm not even going to go through the end of the show thing. I don't want to. You, <laughs> you know, guys know how it works. Yeah, you know how it works. By now.
1: And if you want to find destruction, Perfection Tire.
0: Yeah, Perfection Tire. Is, again, is that a movie? I, who knows? What does that even mean? What is Perfection Tire?
1: <laughs> Google it. Newport, Washington. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening, and go read all ten volumes of Sandman. Plus all the spinoffs and shit. Yeah. That's what we'll do next time. We'll rank every spinoff of Sandman.
1: <laughs> That'll be like a four-hour episode. That's <laughs> yeah, probably
0: shorter than you'd think. There's only so many Sandman presents.
1: True, but there's a lot of adjacent stuff that we could go through.
0: Yeah. And fuck, why are we talking about Goodbye. 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 <laughs>